May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. One of the vocations that God has blessed me with is that of being a parent. I have three children, and I love being a mom. When my friends who don't have kids ask, I tell them it is the most glorious thing. It's also the most exhausting. It can be exhilarating, and yet at times it can still drive me, at least, to the utter brink. One of the things I noticed very early in my parenting was exactly how many bad habits I had. It's almost as if God used this tiny little creature in the body of a toddler to point out all of my sin. Our eldest, Rebecca, like all kids, was a sponge soaking up every little thing, the good and the bad. <laughs> she could belt out the very best Beatles song, even hum along with a little Jim Morrison, and she could mimic me without fault. Every mannerism, every word, every word. It was as if I was saying them myself. Some of those words I was proud of. Others, gosh, not so much. I learned quickly to change my habits. You see, I wanted to set the best example I could. I wanted and still want the very best for them. If as little children learning through observing what we as parents say and do, then I wanted them to see and learn what life is all about, what being a human and a follower of Jesus meant, which meant that I often confessed when I messed up. I often didn't and still don't meet my own standards, never mind God's. Now, our parenting style is what my husband Graham and I refer to as a benevolent dictatorship. We love them. We give them space, but there are rules and there are consequences. We are far, far from being perfect parents, but I sincerely hope that we have set good examples and taught them what they need to know as they are being launched and have launched into adulthood. Last Saturday night, we got the call. Rebecca, our eldest, is getting married. There will be a Williams wedding next year, and now my hope is that I have set a good example for what it means to be a wife, what it means to be a partner, what it means to work through the tough stuff to the best of her ability. I pray for her sake and for the sake of her soon-to-be husband. I pray that I did a good job. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he tells us that we are beloved children of God, and as children, we are to look to our parent and be an imitator, something that we know that children do well. I think this is a task that we adults can actually learn from kids. I wonder sometimes if God is both exhilarated and exhausted by us. In this reading, though, Paul goes further. 
It's not enough to just imitate God. We are to walk in love, walk in love in the same way that Christ has, to the point of sacrifice and offering, and a fragrant offering. Christ's offering was the whole of his life to the point of death. When I think of Christ's offering being fragrant, his willingness to come in human flesh, experience all what this human existence consists of, and then dying for the sins of the whole world, the fragrance that comes to mind is sweet and pungent. There is a blending of purity with power beauty and boldness. When I think of my own life's offering and its fragrance, well, sometimes there's a bit of a stench, a stench that can hang in the air at times, especially when we hear these commands of Paul, walk wisely, do not be foolish, know, know the will of God, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I find these commands to be daunting to carry out on a consistent basis because I don't always walk wisely. I can very often be foolish. And folks, if any of you know a fast track to knowing the will of God, please let me in on your secret. Being filled with the Spirit. Well, if you're like me, there are days when I can wholeheartedly say, you bet. But there are days where I am just so uncertain. And I don't think I'm alone in this. John Piper preached on this passage, and he said, the fundamental meaning of being filled with the Spirit is being filled with joy that comes from God and overflows in song. But sometimes we just don't feel like singing. Sometimes our lives, even as followers of Jesus, are not what Piper describes as a life overflowing in joy and gratitude. I had the pleasure of attending the College of Preachers with Tom Long last week. In that time, he shared this story. There was a man who woke up on the Saturday morning of Easter weekend, and his wife was feeling a little unwell. Nothing to be alarmed about, but her illness grew throughout the day until late that night, she died. From being a little under the weather to death in one day. The man was in a complete fog. He got up Sunday morning, his head still reeling from the sudden death of his wife, and he went through the motions of what he normally does on a Sunday morning. He got dressed and he went to church, but this was Easter. He entered the worship space, and the fog lifted. Now he was angry. The smell of the Easter lilies, the ringing of the bells, the Easter hymns, and all the alleluias grated on his last nerve. He couldn't believe this stuff. Joy? His wife was dead. Sing praises? He wanted to scream. But he stuck it out. And then it dawned on him. He didn't have to believe today. He didn't have to feel joy. He didn't have to sing praises because the community was doing it for him. 
those fellow believers were doing it for him that morning until he was ready to join them again. Being part of a community does just that. It can be a life raft just when you need it. And so can God's word. There are times, like I said, when we read these words and they sound like directives or commands, and this isn't just the only reading. We know the scripture's full of those sorts of things. But we can read it and we just don't feel it. But perhaps at that moment in our life when you don't feel it, when you don't have that sense of joy, these words can be heard not as directives but as promises. When God spoke to the people of Israel as they stood on the banks of the river, looking over to the promised land, their leader Moses dead, and young Joshua called to take them to where God was leading, God said, be strong and courageous. Now, I don't know how strong and courageous Joshua was feeling, but these words would be like a life raft. They would be the promise that these very things that he would need in a crucial time in the life of the Israelites would be provided to him by God. Be strong and courageous, spoken by God, has the whisper, I am with you. You don't do this alone. I am with you to give you strength. I am with you to give you courage. And for us from Ephesians, I am with you to give you joy. It's not about how we're feeling, but about the God who is present and promises. God's promise, Jesus' promise, is to be with us in all things and through all things. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us and does not leave us. When we have those moments of uncertainty, we can rely on God's promise of presence and hear these words in a new way. These anointed words from Paul can be the salve on our wounds just at the time when we need it most. A whisper. Be filled. Look to the source of life for life and be filled. And this is not just a one-time thing. This is a daily prayer to be filled. Daily asking for the Holy Spirit to take up residence in us, infill our bodies even more, transform our hearts more deeply, embody us more fully. I remember being launched from these very hallowed halls where I got to be nurtured by some of the greatest theological minds and pastoral hearts that I've ever known. And quickly realizing out there, in the midst of what we do as followers of Jesus, whatever you are called to, this daily prayer is vital. We cannot possibly do what God has called us to do. We cannot do it for God's glory alone without asking daily for the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. This is vital to our health and the health of those we will work with in whatever capacity it is that God is calling to you from this place. 
I want to close out with a story. Actually, it's the ending of a story that Jesus told. Listen to Jesus' words for you. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask him. Jesus is telling us that God loves you more than you love your own family. So think on that love, and God loves you more. None of us as kids have ever opened up a box of spiders on Christmas morning or sat down to a breakfast of snakes because our parents love to give us good things, and God is the same. He delights in giving us good things when we ask. Like a good parent, he wants what's best for us. And what he wants for us is a life of joy with Jesus at the helm. So go ahead. Knock. Ask him for the best possible gift, the best gift available to you. Ask him for more of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. Ask for more of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your church. Just ask. Listen to Jesus' own words. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. And before you know it, you will be filled with the Spirit and singing. (laughs) Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. Amen and amen.